Blog Talk Radio. Know that our that our guest for tonight 
is Tamika Newhouse, the founder of the AAMBC Literary Awards, and uh, she'll give us a great interview and talk about the uh, the upcoming awards and and her books and all of that. Um, before we do that uh, today, is there anything you want to plug? Any any shout outs or anything? Well, of course, you have to definitely check out my website. Everybody knows that I'm always on the grind, so I have a million things going on. But um, check me out at illfamemag.com. And for everybody who has difficulty spelling that, <laughs> it's I-L-L-F-A-M-E-D-M-A-G.com. Check me out there. And also, please follow me on social media, illfamemag, and then you can follow my personal page. At your girl T. Make sure y'all hit me up. We offering yeah. Yes, we're offering marketing services. Me and Jay actually. So, any indie artists on the call, please, please, please hit us up. Um, you can either hit me up on Facebook, Tanae Staley. Hit Jay up. Um, or send me an email at contact Tanae. That's T E N A I at gmail dot com. So, got options. Oh, oh yes, oh yes. And uh, if you'd like to advertise on the show, just uh, hit us up about that as well. We'll talk about it. All right. Now, uh, let's go on ahead and bring on our guest, Tamika Newhouse. How are you doing? Hey, 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 Jay and Tia. How are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, killing me. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know now. Um, now before we actually get into the actual interview, um, just tell the listeners a little more about who you are um, and about the upcoming awards, and then we'll get right to the interview. Well, yeah, uh, Laura, I am just a girl uh, with a dream that decided to pursue it. Um, I am like a serial entrepreneur, the ultimate hustler. I have so many different streams of income and creating different opportunities. I write, I publish, I'm a brand manager, I produce, um, uh, oh my God, I do PR work and marketing and, and consulting and oh, it's just so much. And now I'm actually stepping into film and, and, and documentaries and things like that. So, it, you know, I, I do a lot of different things, but first and foremost, I'm just a girl with a dream. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to be the next Terry McMillan and when I discovered that I could make that true, I did it. That's you know, so that's my story. Wow. to it. That is amazing. Congratulations to you. I mean, you listed <laughs> everything, so that that's really good. Congratulations to you. I know it's not easy. It never is, but um, definitely kudos to you. Thank oh, you, yeah. Mama. Thank you. I definitely appreciate it. Oh, yeah, and for James of all trades like yourself, well, you know, I like to call those everythingers, you know, so you're an everythingist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an everythinger. You sure is right. Everything that I I see or I see other people doing, I always say, well, hey, what do I got to do to do that? You know, what can I do to make sure I'm going to the next level? And if I see somebody doing some great things, I never get envy. I always get motivated because mm-hmm. if they can do it, Tamika surely can do it. I'm trying hey. to figure out how they did it, so I could do it too. I'm never a hater. I'm always rooting people yeah. on, and yeah, and like, hey, you know what? That's what's up. You did it, but shoot, shoot I'm gonna do it too. You know, hey. <laughs> that so is amazing. Of course, 
of course, the the big thing I guess is going on right now is the awards that's coming up. Talk about that. Like, how did you even? How did that get started? Like, where where did it come from? Well, I was 20 years old when I started my very first company, which is called AANBC, stands for African Americans on the Move Book Club. Um, I was really deep into reading fiction by black writers back then, and at that moment, you I only saw so many. Um, African American writers in mainstream media listed in the magazines and things of that nature all on the bookshelves. And I thought that maybe there was about 30 black writers that existed, you know, worldwide, mm-hmm. because that's all that I saw. But when I, um, one day I was just bored, and I was like, you know what, I can't find anyone to be in a book club with me, so I guess I'm just going to make this page on MySpace. I'm going to name mm-hmm. it AANBC, and I'm just going to start me an online book club. And when I did that, so many writers began to contact me that I never heard of. And I was like, wait a minute, I've never heard <laughs> of these people. And it wasn't like, who the hell are you? And why are you, you know, why should I read your book? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that at all. I was like, wow, wait a minute, there's hundreds of more people like me. And how did they do it? Because I need to know how they did it. And when <laughs> I discovered um, that a lot of them self-published, that's when I launched, you know, my publishing company. And then once mm-hmm. I once I launched my publishing company with my own book, I self-published my own book, uh, The Ultimate Nona, back in 2008. Um, mm-hmm. And from there, that same year, I think I brought in, like, two other writers, and the company just took off from there. But then yeah. I also saw when there were, like, awards, like the NAACP, you know, I can always throw out, like, what name or whoever is going to be honored or who was going to be in attendance. It was all the same old people. And so mm-hmm. I had that same thought process, that same thought process of, Dang, they always talking about the same old people. They're giving out the same awards, the same old folks. What about all of uh, the rest of everybody else? Well, what about people like me? Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I decided to create the award show. And I think we started the first one in 2009, actually. Wow. So have you seen, um, I guess, progression since you started in 2009? Like what, when you sit back and you actually look, like what, what do you say to 2009 to where you are now with it? Oh, my goodness. It's so different now because this platform has allowed me – I've literally touched and worked with thousands of writers. I mean, I can't even – I've lost count because it's been so many years. And AANBC is unique only because, one, I'm passionate about what I do, so I'm not in it for the money. And, two, I'm very consistent. I've seen a lot of people come and go in this business, and not just in this business, but in any spectrum. you got to be consistent. And you always mm-hmm. have to study your craft because there's always people that's coming for your spot. So with AANBC, it has grown so much and it has allowed me to work with the best of the best, so the best agents, the best publishers, the best publicists. Mm-hmm. And now I've even crossed over into entertainment. So when it comes to even celebrities putting out their books or whatever the case may be, um, I work with them and I work with their PR team. I work with editors under Essence and Hello Beautiful and Madame Noir and Boston and mm-hmm. Upscale and Sheen. Like I get to connect with all of these mainstream media outlets solely because I stay consistent in what I do. And then I, I attach on passionate readers who are willing mm-hmm. to put in that time along with me to help make sure this brand grows. Wow, that is amazing. Like, I'm excited, actually, because I'm coming this year, and I, I'll be honest, I've never really heard of them. But when I actually seen it, um, you know, I had research, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So I had, I had to be there this year, so I definitely will be there in the building to check it out. Um, you have Cynthia Bailey that's hosting it. Talk about her and putting mm-hmm. her, I guess, as a host. Why why Cynthia? 
I get asked that a lot. So when it comes to the awards, and as you stated, you said before, this year you never heard of it. And that's the whole purpose of incorporating and attaching a name that has some type of followingship to the awards. So last mm-hmm. year we had Claudia Jordan. This year we have okay. Cynthia Bailey. Next year I have no idea who we have, but I'm pretty sure it would be great. <laughs> um, and we want to attach people that have millions of followers or this recognized name or whatever the case may be. They have a really great pro- platform because right. I want to – my whole goal is um, – crossing this whole brand and this whole mission into mainstream media where people actually see it and get it. Now, you can even take it, for example, Black Girls Rock. Before Black Girls Rock was on BET, no one really heard of it. However, mm-hmm. Beverly Johnson was doing so many things for years behind the scenes where she incorporated celebrities and she incorporated those mainstream media outlets, and then, boom, BET loved the concept so much they put it on their program. And now it's, world, it's worldwide known. And so that's the whole purpose of me attaching influential names and popular people into it. And so not only just is Cynthia hosting it, but we have people coming from Bravo and, and Centric and Tyler Perry Studios and writers, that people that create films and people that write for TV. We have all of these people coming in the name of our, our, our voice, our literature, mm-hmm. and our artists. We're celebrating them. And I want people to get excited about reading because black folks read. Wherever the media is trying to put out there and say, you know, show the, the ignorant black folks, there's only a fraction of us. But the black book business is like a multi-million dollar business. We read, and we read in ways, wow. but they don't want to talk about that. Mm, wow. That's crazy. Mm, That's amazing. Yeah, well, well, what are, what are yeah, some of the... What are some of the challenges, I guess, that you see with our black writers and stuff like that? Do you think that we are a little scared to kind of go out there and put ourselves out there? Or what are some of just the different challenges that you see with people that want to write and be authors and stuff of that? Kind of like that, of that nature. It's, it's not necessarily just with black writers. It's just as a whole with our people. I call myself like a an activist, a black panther in my former life. Because when I see a lot of when I see ignorance going on, or when I see that my people can do better, I speak about it very uh, publicly. Mm-hmm. And it's just as a, as a whole, our whole race for you know for the majority part, we don't we don't we don't have long living legacies. Sometimes it doesn't involve some type of art form. So when right. versus like a musician or a big time movie producer or whatever the case may be, you're not really leaving behind a legacy for your family. You're not leaving behind a family owned business. And you see a lot of other races that are actually leaving things to their children. You know, their children aren't born into debt and they're not taking on their parents' debt and things like that. And for me, it saddens me because we are the root of the, this country. When this country was taken from its original owners, they enslaved us and we built it, you know, and it's like we cannot get ahead. And, of, of course, you can really dig, dig deep into it and you can see how the system works and how, it, you know, it's formulated to keep us down, to keep us separated. And we can even go into the whole incarcerating our men and killing our men and, and the feminist movement. We can go way deep into that. And, it, and mm-hmm. sometimes I get upset because our people don't really see what's going on or see how we are tricked or how we are misinformed because we do not know who we are. We do not know our history. Our history mm-hmm. is not in the textbooks. We have to go and seek it to find out exactly who we are. Um, and I feel that if we 
understood ourselves more and what our our people have to go through just so we can have these opportunities, I think our black folks will be way more active in supporting each other, supporting black-owned businesses, starting their own business, um, all these things, leaving behind legacies. Um, you can even look at the movie Selma. Selma was all about us becoming, uh, being able to vote. People mm-hmm. died so that we can go and vote yeah. presidential elections or vote in you know, in our community so that we can have, so we can control who's the chief and who's the judge and all these things. And nowadays, you don't, you don't even see our people come out and wave to go vote. But mm-hmm. your brother and sister 50 years ago died for you so the show ass can go and vote. Right. And so, it, oh, you know, we can, we can keep, we can go so deep into it, you know, but my whole purpose of, of I'm trying to do my part when it comes to AANBC, which is why it's called African Americans on the Move Book Club. This is a movement. It's a literary mm-hmm. movement. Hey, we read, we write, we're here, and we want you guys to hear our voice. That's exactly what this this whole movement is about. Wow. Oh yeah. That's I told y'all I was a Black Panther. I told y'all I told y'all I was a Black Panther in my former life now. So I could go all and all. So you know. I want to add to what you were saying, uh, Tamika. Uh, you know, I started a project, you know, separate, uh, called Blacktopia. And basically the theme of Blacktopia mm-hmm. is to preach and teach the importance of economic empowerment for our people and um, and also mm-hmm. assimilate black too because, you know, we, we don't ever want to come together. Uh, it started out as just a Facebook group, but then it grew into something much more. Uh, I, uh, the thing about the Facebook group is I wanted to start it because uh, in it, so many of these different groups, it's uh, you got the churchy black people in one group, and you got the kind of the the hood black people in one group, and then you got the you know the artsy black people in another group, and then you got the, and I say you know what screw the different let's all come together under one and kind of teach each other what you know the differences with each other you know and we can learn something mm-hmm. and pre the importance of economic empowerment because, like I said, the other races of people understand what we kind of aren't getting. Uh, it is it, exactly. I, it's not all about the money, but it's about that money, <laughs> you know. And, and, and we're <laughs> we're not leaving generational wealth for our children. Uh, we're you know we're, we're working these jobs that we hate nine to fives, and then you know and and then we 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 actually brag about being broke. Uh, you know, like we they post oh, I'm so yeah, you know, like, well, we brag about, you know, getting the food stamps and all, like, and I'm not yeah. knocking anybody that gets the food stamps because I've been there, done that, too. However, <laughs> it's called temporary assistance for a reason. Right. And, and you know, right. I, and I just get upset about that because we just don't strive for more. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to not knock it and say that, yeah, society sometimes makes it hard for us. Yeah, there's still racism. Yeah, some, some doors aren't open for us, like it will be open for our white counterpart, you know, or our Mexican counterpart, whatever the case may be. Oh, that's not an excuse, you know? Mm-hmm. So if they're not going to open the door for you, well then, dude, I'm going to need you to build your own door. And that's exactly how I feel. Hey, if they're not going to pay attention to us, if they're not going to recognize us in our, li- our literature and our work, well, shoot, let me go ahead and create something. Let me do it ourselves, and let me put towards the work and the effort. My efforts to do an award show like this cost thousands of dollars. This is not a yeah. cheap effort at all. I stress, I lose sleep, all that. But I'm very, very passionate. I see the bigger picture behind this, and I'm doing this for people who half the time will speak uh, negatively on my name for whatever reason, you know. Mm. And, hey, when I see them, I smile and, you know, I greet them just like they are my brother because at the end of the day you are 
my brother and my sister, but at the end of mm-hmm. the day, it, it comes with the territory. So I, I, I think we just don't have what it takes to endure to make these things happen. It's not going to happen overnight. I always say you got to come out of your comfort zone. Success is not going to come with you being comfortable, with you trying to not let go of that nine to five. It's taking up Amen. all your time and all your energy. If you expect them for yourself to become somebody's millionaire by working for somebody else, bro, you're not going to get there. And if you're comfortable with just doing what you're doing and you're too afraid to step out on faith, okay, bro, but then don't complain about your situation. Obviously, you like it. Yeah, that's yeah, all I gotta say. I have, I have zero, I have zero patience for people that complain about. <laughs> Y'all killing me. <laughs> but I have zero patience for people that complain about their their livelihood or their current situation. They don't do anything to change it. And then I have mm-hmm. zero patience for people that actually aspire to do great things and they sit here and say, "Well, I don't know how to do it." Like stuff like that, maybe when they take a hammer and like just hit you across <laughs> your head. Like, what have you? If you don't know how to do it, what have you done to at least take that first step to learn how to do it? What about attaching yourself to someone who's already doing it? What about going mm-hmm. to Google or going to the library, picking up a book, going to a conference, going to a workshop? <laughs> Come on, bro! Like, it's so many things that you can do to start that whole process of learning how to do it. That's just being mm-hmm. lazy. Yeah, do something about it. Yeah, just don't talk about it. Do something. I do something. I agree a hundred percent. We got a lot of people out here trying giving these soft stories, so she's preaching on that one definitely. Now, what what are yeah, some exactly. of your um your best sellers? My best seller is a book called Kisses Online and then Cookie a Footwear Story. Now, Kisses Online is like my best romance fiction. Um, has sold the most. I think I've sold. In, I've made about 130000 just off of that series alone. And then wow. Cookie, to me, I feel like that is my best work because it's based off of my life. And the way I wrote it is pure genius, I feel. Um, I feel like I was, I was really, really connected to that book. And um, and that book wow. I'm actually adapting to a film. That's that's going to be my whole film journey, just Cookie, a footwork story. Oh, okay. Exciting. Now, now let me uh, ask you this. Uh what what uh, genre? You mostly uh, stick with fiction, or, or do you dabble in like? I mean, I know, well, I mean, do you also uh, do like mystery and like what what all genre? What, what um, genres? Oh, I tapped into know. a little Christian when it came to Cookie and Footwear Story, but it was really like it was the, the realistic Christian, not the Bible gripping, judgmental Christian. I'm talking about the Christian where you know that you're gonna have sex or you're gonna mess up. But you go and try to come back and talk to God, be like, "Hey, God, hey, I'm trying to be better." That's the type of Christian book that I wrote. You know, the the type of Christian that we all are, which is sinners, and we all fall short of His glory. So I and so I, I'm touch base with with Christian with Cookie and Footwear Story. But for the most part, I write about romance. I'm a hopeless romantic, and it's not the sappy romance. It's the man bashing rom you know books romance. So basically, you know, Jay, you know, Jay, you know, Jay. I'm pretty sure you cheated on ride and all that. So yeah. I expose you guys' dirty deeds, and I make money off of it. Mm. Now I heard about Plain Jane. Is that your latest novel that you wrote? Yeah, that's the, that's my latest one. I'm actually putting out part two in July. Oh wow! Talk that's about my grown that. folk book. Yes, that's interesting. Okay, so, <laughs> Plain Jane is what I call my nasty book. So, yeah, so this is another genre I've written in, which is erotica, pure nastiness, y'all. This is a grown folk business. 
So if you ain't old enough to listen to this, I'm going to need you to go ahead and mute your phone for about five minutes, and then you can come back. So, plain Jane, basically, I write, a, a, when whatever I'm going through in my life, I, it can always be a direct reflection of what's going to be my latest literary piece. And as I've gotten older, and remind you, I started my, um, I wrote my first book at 20, you know, and I've been in the business now for nine years, and with me becoming 30 in like two weeks, I have experienced a lot of things. Like, uh, you know, I've experienced a broken heart, like a real broken heart, not that puppy love, you know, hurting mm-hmm. my feelings type, you know. I've experienced um, great sex, bad sex, fights, uh, passion. Um, I've traveled. Um, I've dated multiple guys at one time, or I've been single and alone. Like, I've experienced so many things. And plain mm-hmm. Jane reflects who Tamika used to be. And if you open up the book, it's actually dedicated to Tamika Jameson. Tamika Jameson mm-hmm. is me. That's the original plain Jane. And um, as I got older, I was able to tap into what I really love and enjoy as a woman. And I had mm-hmm. to discover that, you know, intimacy is not just about you. Intimacy is about satisfying your partner. And if you and your partner are, are set on satisfying each other and trying to beat each other to the punch and make each other feel great, imagine the connection that you guys can have if you're solely focused on making sure that they get what they need from you, connecting to them mm-hmm. mentally, physically, and spiritually. And Plain Jane is about a woman that discovers you know, her sexuality, she begins to own it, and she begins to date and to be free, and it's all very vividly detailed. And, you know, it has some funny parts, it has uh, some dramatic parts, but it definitely has a lot of nasty scenes. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, uh, now Tamika, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, well, actually, before I get to the question, I just want to say this. Uh, you know uh, Tiffany Forbes? Yes, her name is extremely familiar. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's familiar. Yeah. Yeah, she just made a comment. She just wanted to say you're the you're the bomb dot com. Hey, Tiffany. Now, now, Tiffany, please judge it to my mind, not my heart, but I know that Tiffany Ford's name is extremely familiar. But y'all do know I talk to a whole bunch of people, so please charge it to my mind. Oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, now, now for the question, what I was going to ask, uh, I, I don't, I, I know you may not have the book in front of you, but you know, I mean, I'm just going to ask it anyway. You, uh, the plain Jane, you want to read a little excerpt out of it? <laughs> oh, do I have plain? Let me see. I know I may have it on my computer. Why are you even telling about this ahead of time? They see you. You're not right, BJ. I have a question about it, though. So I think everybody thinks that sex is like a touchy subject. Like, I mean, how do you feel about that? Should we be more open about sex? Like, you know, some people, like you said, that Christian, like, where it's like, God, you know my heart, but it's hard, you know, because I'm even trying to work right. walk on my journey now where I'm like, all right, I want to wait till marriage, but you know that's hard. So I'm going to try and go on this journey, but what do you think about that? Like, you know, do we need to talk What's about that? it more? Is it? Yeah, it's so taboo. It 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 falls into you know black folks not talking, not wanting to express you know if they're gay or, um, you know everything they say what what goes on in your in your bedrooms between you and your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we don't talk about oral sex. Like we don't. It's so taboo in the black community when it comes to sex. Period. Versus, yeah. you know, which is why that whole Becky. Come, you know, that whole Becky name comes out. And Beyonce is not the first person to say Becky, which is 
funny because in um, my 11th book, The Words I Didn't Say, there is a Becky. And it it describes exactly what Beyonce is talking about in her song. But I wrote the book about two and a half years ago. So, y'all, I was the first one to put out Becky. Okay? So, first of all, uh, Beyonce is so, <laughs> Right. So, Becky is about, like, a, a, a white woman that freely, she'll, you know, thrive on a knob and swallow and she'll do any and every position that her man wants. And white people tend to be way more expressive about that. And, you know, they, and that's what the whole Becky or the white girl whole concept comes from because, you know, they claim that they'll do whatever and whatever. But white, folks, white black women do that, too. But we yeah. don't do it just to everybody. That's the thing. We ain't about right. to be just doing it just to oh, every random guy that comes our way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's in the black community is just so taboo. I think we need to be way more open, you know, open and honest. About it. And I think it's because when it comes to just black people in general, our race really deals strongly in the roots of Christianity. And, mm-hmm. you know, Christianity was um, not necessarily forced upon, but it was presented to our ancestors when they got here to create control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also, and then within the Bible and, you know, and when you go into, you read the scriptures and you read the words and things like that, it just, it tells you a lot of things you should and should not do. And, you know, and if you cross your legs wrong, if you walk wrong, if you roll your eyes or you're going to hell, like that's mm-hmm. what, you know, we kind of grew up thinking that. And so it even right. falls into, you know, talking about sex, but no, like that was like a no-no, like talking about it, you shouldn't even be doing it. So it's like we had unrealistic expectations, you know. So I think that we need right. to be highly expressed, and I have no problem expressing it. And when I'm single <laughs> and I'm dating, people know I have a roster or, you know, I have a lineup or I have a guy that, that does this, that does that. I have somebody to take me to dinner. I have somebody that I'm going to travel with <laughs> because I'm single and I can do that and I can own that. That doesn't make me a, a hoe. That makes right. me a grown-ass woman. Yeah, right. men do it all the time. Why can't you do it? All the time, yes. And hold on, Jay, I got to ask this question. Kind of going back off of what you're just saying, what do you feel about, like, okay, so what do you feel about this? So you know how sometimes men are like, oh, if you ain't giving it up or if you ain't going down there and sucking on it, like, we good, you ain't real, you ain't this and this. What do you feel about that? Like, when, when is that a good time? Is it marriage? Do you think we should be doing that to our boyfriend or is there a line that we should cross or not cross? Yeah, I, do I don't yeah, think that. It's, I'll be quiet. No, <laughs> shut up. Of course you're going to say that because you'll take it. If a woman's going to sit there and get on her knees and offer it, you're going to take it. But are you going to try to wife her? Are you going to try to make her your girlfriend? Hell no, because you're going to be thinking that she do that to every man. So, mm-hmm. no. So my response to that is when you feel – that you guys are in a comfortable place in your relationship and you feel sexually free with that person, by all means do that. We can't be sexually free with just anybody, especially right. in this day and age. And I said there's no time stamp. So I don't agree on women with the six-month rule or the 90-day rule or whatever. I don't think that sex should be something that should be scheduled. Now, right. I think that sex should be something that should be organic. If it takes three months, it took three months. If it takes mm-hmm. two days, it took two days. If it takes a week. <laughs> It took a week. Whatever it, you know, whatever how long that it organically takes, I think that that should be what you and that person um, should agree on. And you guys should be verbally expressive as well so that you guys can know what it is that you're looking for and, you know, if you're going to be going that route. But, yeah, I don't think that um, men that say that, 
I mean, they, oh my God, they stupid. I mean, I don't know what to say about a man that that's saying that 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 that's expected when they first start dating someone. That's like a yeah. woman coming around and saying, because we've been talking on the phone for two weeks, you my boyfriend now. That's stupid. <laughs> like I don't. That's retarded. Like how are we boyfriend and girlfriend because I talked to you on the phone for two weeks? Like how are you gonna have expectations where I'm gonna slap on your knob? Like this is just retarded. I'm gonna need folks just to grow up and verbally uh-huh. express themselves. Like, oh my come God. on, like, well, come on, let's be adults about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to me, I also want to say this, too. Uh, I, I agree with you uh, because, you know, I read this meme where they're saying, oh, you you got to be faithful in the talking stage. And I was like, I don't agree with that because, like, when you're not in a relationship, it's kind of like when you're looking for a job, you put out applications at many different places. You don't put it at one place and then, okay, they don't hire you, then you go to the next place. You, you put out different resumes. So you, you can, it, when you're single, you can date around and, and yeah, sample. Yeah, you can. And, yeah, you know, but you know what, see, let me, let me, let me comment on that. It shouldn't, that should not have to be verbally stated that because I've been dating you for a month or talking on the phone for two weeks or whatever, I shouldn't have mm-hmm. to sit here and say, Hey, we're not in a commitment. We're not boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> I shouldn't have to say that. That's stupid. I think yeah, that yeah. Should, there should be somewhere in, that, in, this, in this whole journey of dating someone, you should express at some point, hey, I like you. What you think about taking it to the next level, which is actually dating and being mm-hmm. in a committed relationship where it's just you and I? That should be actually verbally stated. And mm-hmm. I despise or it just gets on my nerves that people that assume that this person belongs to them because they've talked on the phone or they had sex. That's retarded. That's stupid. That's how you get your feelings hurt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, women do it a lot, but men do that too. You know, I've, men do that. I've been in that position. Men do that too. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be assuming. I'm going to not to get caught up. <laughs> right. Take it slow. Oh, yeah, you, you found the excerpt, right, <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the plain James. As well, right? <laughs> oh, did I find the excerpt? I don't, I don't even get talking. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking. But I don't. <laughs> I, I could. Thought you were uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what this excerpt is going to say, but I can go ahead and read. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to read a boring excerpt. So let me <laughs> yeah, let me sure. let me try to find one while we're still talking. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, you. Lord, Lord. Yeah, that's interesting. Lord, Lord. Oh, I think. Oh, okay. I think I'll be able to find one, but I'm gonna have to Google it. So give me like a couple minutes while we're still talking. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh yeah. Um, uh, where can people, where can um people buy your your books and everything? Are they online? Are they in stores? Where can they purchase some of your your books? Yeah, you can go to Barnes Nobles, Amazon. They're on every single ebook reader device that you can think of from Google Play, Nook, um, iPad, Kindle. Um, yeah, it's very accessible. Even if you go on your Play Store on your phone, type in my mm-hmm. name, Tamika Newhouse, my books are there. Wow. I always wonder what the process was like as a writer, though, because sometimes I'll write and I'll be like, all right, I got to stop. Like, I just, You know what I mean? Like, How long does it typically take you to write a book, like a novel? It used to take me six weeks, maybe to three months, but now it takes me extremely longer because I'm I'm busy. I don't I'm not mm-hmm. able to just sit down and just write. Plain Jane, I wrote the majority of Plain Jane, maybe about more than half of it in a weekend because I took off to Florida 
And mm-hmm. I told myself I'm just going to write this weekend. So I was able to get a lot of the book out then, but I had to get a way to do that. Um, yeah. But, you know, but, you know, realistically, if I was just to be sitting and writing, you know, I could finish a book in like a month, a month and a half. But I just don't have the luxury anymore. I'm just, you know, I just do too many things from publishing <laughs> to, you know, brand. I have so many clients and, you know, I'm producing these. I'm, you know, it's a lot of stuff. So, wow. I mean, I can't complain. Writing is my first love. And I'm going to still do it. I'm going to still try to drop at least one book a year. But, um, mm-hmm. but, yeah, it's not easy. And I did find the excerpt, too. <laughs> it's nasty, though. Can I, re- can I read a nasty excerpt? Hey, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Jay, I don't know about you. You little suspect over there. You a little bit too uh-huh, anxious for this ready, excerpt. Ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. no, I'm about to watch you. Okay, so. <laughs> Now, I don't just read normal, so I have to read like I'm the character. So I'm about to go ahead and get into the scene a little bit. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. Never beg more than once. I gripped my cell phone as if it was my lifeline to, to his hello. Speak to him, Natalie. Just say something to change his mind. I was too prideful at this point. I had nothing more to give, and I was tired of being in love alone. I dropped my head into my left hand and studied the cell phone that I, that I clung into my right hand. Do you love me? I asked Kenneth. Isn't it funny how the one name that used to give you butterflies is now like a bucket of crap? They just disgusted the hell out of you. He avoided the question and continued his rant about how unhappy he was and how he was tired and needed a break. I would be lying if I said I didn't see this coming and that halfway didn't give a fuck, but I did. He was familiar. He was my security for me. He was easy. He was all I had known. Nally, listen to me. Just give me a moment to figure some things out, then maybe we can talk more. He hung up so fast I didn't get a chance to respond. I fell backwards into my bed and stared at the ceiling fan. I told myself not to cry, but I could feel the warm tears fall back and land inside my ears. I winced as a pain in my chest from a broken heart. I turned my head to the right, looking at the TV that was on mute and stared at it. I didn't blink for minutes at a time and felt that my Bust returned to my body only to give me air to live. Kenneth was my everything. He was my husband. He was my life. But what was I to him? I felt replaceable to him. And he was making it very clear that I was, in fact, not his everything. Walking to my bathroom, my feet touched the cold marble floors, and I rose up on my tippy toes until my skin was familiar to the chill. I planted myself in front of the mirror and stared at my reflection. My eyes were swollen and dark. My lips were quivering, were quivering. My eyes traveled to my dark skin, my shoulders, my full breasts, my slim waist, and I turned to the left to catch a view of my peach-shaped ass. I was fly, no doubt, but something was missing. All of me didn't keep my, my husband here. My eyes shot back up to my hair. I had been growing it since I was 14. The year I had met Kenneth, my hair was so long now that it was hard to manage, and I had always wanted to cut it. But Kenneth loved my length. He was amazed at a black woman's hair, especially a chocolate one, could grow down her back. I found at my hair and began to pull out drawer after drawer. Not finding what I was looking for, I rushed down the stairs to my house and rushed into the kitchen. Opening a knife drawer, I pulled out the sharpest knife, grabbed a handful of my hair, and in one quick move, I sliced my hair off. One handful after the other, in mere seconds, I looked down, saw the floor was covered in hair, and I fell down to my knees crying. I cried for what seemed like hours, but were only minutes. Never cry over a man. You just get under a new one. I heard my mama's voice in my head, and suddenly it felt like she was in the kitchen, staring at me and shaking her head. I stopped crying, stood up slowly, and took a deep breath. I picked up the phone and dialed Destiny. 
hey, girl, what's up? Can you sit me in? I need my hair done. Sure, mama, when you, when you want to come. I, I could hear De- Destiny's ghetto butt popping her gum as she asked a question. I'm coming now. I need a whole new look, and I'm going to need it by tonight. This is my last scene. I was like a madam showing her new baby the rope. But don't get me wrong. I wasn't about to pimp Natalie. I was just going to show her my world. The fact that her husband had just left her made her easy and curious about my world. She wanted a distraction from her heartbreak, and I appointed myself to be that very thing she needed. She needed a new life. I gave Natalie a gentle tug on her hand to get her attention. I mean, with all the naked ass everywhere, I was sure she struggled with not staring at all. You good? Natalie nodded her head, but her face said otherwise. I led her back to a room called Sierra. It was a room that many people could watch or participate. And I knew that I couldn't get Natalie to participate on this go-round, but I definitely was going to give her something to watch. Take a seat right here and don't move. Okay, but where are you going? Natalie grabbed my hand. I pointed across the room. You see that guy over there? She nodded yes. I'm bringing him back over here. Hold tight. I scurried off before Natalie could ask any more questions as I made my way over to Lyndon. He and I had never been more than butt buddies and have had been and have had quite the sexual appetite together. When I called him to say I had fresh fish to break in, he was down for it. Tonight, Natalie was going to get a show she would never forget. I slowly and seductively danced in front of Lyndon. His six-foot, three-frame towered over my five-foot, six-body and playfully slapped my ass. Bring your sexy ass here, he demanded. I laughed, allowing my body to be thrown into his. Hey, Daddy, I purred. Bending down, Lyndon sloppily kissed my lips, pushing me backwards into the chair that sat mere inches away from Natalie. Hmm. I moaned as my ass connected to the seat. My lace see-through negligee wasn't any shield for my heart and nipples that were now pushing through the fabric. Lyndon notices them, too, takes his teeth and bites the left one. Ouch! I playfully screamed, pushing his hand, his head into my breast. I shake them back and forth as he pulls the lace top from my torso, revealing my naked erect nipples. Hmm, Daddy. I could see Natalie watching. She hadn't turned away, and that meant one thing. She was interested in what she was seeing. I grabbed my legs, throwing the mouth of my pussy into the air for Lennon to get a good view. My pearl was swollen and pushing its way between my lips, calling out, Taste me, Daddy. I want you to taste this pussy. Oh, God. Lennon took his knees, took his knees, and as if he were in a position to say prayer, he opens his mouth, sticks his tongue out, and dips it inside of me. His tongue was in the form of an L as he draws back my nectar, creating a natural lip balm for his lips. I looked down to watch the show. He dipped in and out of my ooey-gooey cream that oozed down his mouth. I could see the evidence of my cum drizzling down his tongue like cinnamon frosting. I jerked my head back as I pulled my legs back further to my belly, thrusting my hips into Lyndon's mouth. When I felt myself coming, I called out, I'm about to come. I eyed Natalie to see if she was indeed watching, and she was. I squeezed my eyes really tight and allowed my head to fall back once more when I felt my pussy squirt out juices. Ah! I screamed. Lyndon greedily buried his face in my juices as we both breathed in and out deeply. Let me taste. Dropping to my knees, I stood up. No, dropping my legs, I stood up, my knees wobbly from my orgasm as Lennon wiped his face with the back of his hand. He planted himself in a spot I just seated in as I looked over to Natalie. 
come here, baby girl. I want to show you something. Nellie's eyes were big as if she were in shock. I wanted to laugh, but I held my composure. I was certain that Natalie had never squirted before, as I did, and wondered, how the hell did that come out of me? I would explain that later, I thought. Get on your knees, I ordered her. On my knees? I nodded my head slowly. You're not going to touch or do anything. I just want you to be able to see well. I want you to get a good view of what I'm about to show you. Pleasing your partner is very important, baby girl. You should know that sex isn't about yourself. It's an experience between two beings whose main goal is to please each other. She nodded her head slowly that she was following along. I pointed to a spot on the floor. Kneel here. I'm going to kneel next to you. I took a spot on the floor and waited for Natalie to follow me. Natalie took to her knees and kept looking back from me to Lyndon, who lay back on the chair. Never mind who he is. He is a willing participant that's going to help you see. Help me see what, she asked. How to please your man with your mouth. MC. That's it. Oh, Lord. Jay, you quiet over there. Oh, you get to me? Oh, I'll say that. That was hard. Oh, yeah. That definitely is. Wow, that's amazing. Like, that, I mean, the crazy thing about it is, like, literally, you can visualize. Everything, like the way you write it and everything, it's just like, child, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go and order that book online tonight. Like, <laughs> amazing! Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, Jay, that's... What's, what's your thoughts? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm loving that. That was, that was hot. Yeah, I, I saw it in my head and how the characters were. It was all of it. Mm, yeah. Wow, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. That was. And look, that's what we need. Like, like you said, people are scared to talk and and talk about that type of stuff. But that's what I like to read about. So, definitely, yeah. love you. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you very yeah. much. I was kind of a little skeptical about the whole <laughs> p word. You know, some folks get taboo <laughs> behind that. Oh yeah. But uh, but yeah, but you know, when it comes to writing, a lot of people, you know, they'll come to you and be like, "Oh, I want to write a book." But writing is just like singing. I can't come to you and be like, "I want to sing," and I don't know how to sing. Everybody doesn't know mm-hmm. how to write. So there's a difference from telling and showing. And when you right. can show someone, you know, through your words, you you're, you're doing something. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, so talk about the awards coming up again. Plug that for everybody that um, may not know about it or whatever may be plugged that those awards again. All right, cool. So the AANBC Awards is held every 2nd June in Atlanta, Georgia. This year it will be June 11th, which is about under two weeks now. Um, You can get all the information at AANBCAwards, with an S, um, dot com. And that's also AANBC Awards on Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, And you can also still get tickets. We did sell out of the all-access pass yesterday. However, I went ahead and opened up a couple more, so we have four left. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a slew of events. So we have um, the Urban Book Bash on Friday, which is about 30 writers, um, along with a couple of celebrity writers that will be there as well. And we will be screening a movie called Secrets for free, which will mm-hmm. feature Harold House Moore. He will actually be there. And for those who don't know, he was on Single Ladies as well. He was... Um, the chick with the green eyes, his boyfriend. Um, hmm. And then um, Saturday, the, before the awards, we're having an all-male panel 
book signing and discussion. And on Sunday, we're going to end up the weekend with a, um, a Q&A with Roshana T. Billingsley and Victoria Christopher Murray um, on that Sunday at Barnes & Noble's on the Georgia Tech campus. And so get yeah. all that information at aanbcawards.com. And, um, yeah, and hope to see you guys there. Yes, definitely come out. Like I said, I definitely will be there in the building. Definitely have to be there for that. Oh, yeah. And let's see, before we we let you go, is there any advice that you have to writers or people that um, want to get into what you're doing or want to be authors? What advice would you give them? My advice is to be unique. I don't want you to come into this business and look at somebody and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to do that too. It doesn't work that way. Um, mm-hmm. I want you to, to know that this is going to be extremely hard because there's an estimated 100 books that come out on a daily basis worldwide. So the, 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 the competition is tough. So be mm-hmm. unique, be consistent, and you have to love this. You, know, you, you really have to love this whole industry to even kind of stick through. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's my advice. Uh, you know, that's wow. basically the only thing I can, I can give you, be consistent and be unique. Well, for anybody that's inspiring authors, whatever it may be, definitely you're, you're hearing it from the best. So definitely take that advice. Oh yes. Oh yes. Well, definitely, uh, to make a new house, definitely we appreciate having you on the show and, um, yes. everything. You had to say we we loved it. Um, Thank you so much, and um, I definitely will be there um, for the award. Thank you so much for allowing us this time to talk to you. We may have ran over a little bit, but we definitely appreciate it. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. I definitely enjoyed myself. I hope I didn't scare y'all away, and um, I definitely <laughs> open to coming on and tearing up y'all mic again. Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. We'll be in touch for this. Y'all have a good evening. I'll see y'all soon. Okay, thank you. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. All right, Are y'all listening to Nosy? That was Tamika Newhouse, the founder of the AAMBC Literary Awards. Definitely check it out, all the information that she gave. We're going to put the highlights on YouTube. I'm some mm-hmm. guy named Jay. That's Tanae And Staley. I am Tanae. Put some respect on my name. Y'all understand hey, me? And y'all exactly. saying my name, put some respect on it. Hey. Oh, yes. And uh, anything else you want to say, Birdman? Y'all, y'all finished or y'all done? I ain't got no more talking. And we ain't got no more talking either. Good night. No more. Good night.